Isn't it good to sing about Jesus? <laughs> it is. And I love the opportunity to preach and declare his name. That's what we're going to do. I want to remind you of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We want to continue it. Two weeks ago, when I was still preaching about the series on John, we talked about some unflashy ministry such as... What's an example of like an unflashy ministry, but it's actually pretty effective disciple-making for Jesus? Parenting, Parenting. yes. <laughs> and uh, last week, John Drieger uh, spoke, and he talked about, talked about our identity, where we get our identity from, and also reflecting on how we should uh, act in the world, right? This week, we want to continue on in the book of John, and I want to do something very specific today. I want to celebrate Jesus. And here's what I'd like to do, and so just to clarify exactly what I mean with that, We're going to read a passage of Scripture in John chapter 11, and based on that passage, the truths that we see in that passage, I want to celebrate those, okay? We're not going to try and make a list of exhaustive list of all the good things that Jesus, who He is, and all that, okay? We don't have time for that. I think that's what eternity in heaven is for, okay? We have a few minutes. We're going to try and work through John 11, and from the things that we see about Jesus there, I want to celebrate those things about Jesus, Here's the problem. Some of you might be carrying a weight that actually makes it hard to celebrate Jesus. And so I want you to think about whatever that weight is that you're carrying. Could be something that you're struggling with. Could be something that irritates you. Could be something that you just see going on in the world around you. And somehow that just seems like a bit of a dark cloud, a bit of a weight that maybe you could even imagine it was like a weight in a backpack or something like a weight like an ankle weight, but on your wrist or on your ankle or something, and it's just tough to, tough to walk, right? We're just going to pray right now. I want you to ask the Lord what that weight is, and then I'm going to imagine this, that I'm going to come around with a wheelbarrow, and I'm going to go up and down the aisle, and you just take whatever that weight is. We're just going to put them all in the wheelbarrow and send them out onto the road somewhere, and then we're going to celebrate Jesus, Okay. You guys with me? <laughs> ask, so this is, forgive me for being a little crazy, okay? But just ask the Lord what that weight is, and then we're just going to give those to Him. Jesus, right now, just show us the things that are weighing on us. What is it, Lord, that we can just cast aside for a bit? Jesus, right now, it's just, I have this, it's a funny picture in my head, Lord, but I just imagine going up and down the aisles with this massive wheelbarrow, and people are just putting their things in there. And as I go up and down the aisle, there's just a collection of all these things. It's, these are heavy weights. They're very real things. And they burden us. Lord, we just take those <laughs> and bring them to the edge of the property and just a little bit past, leave them there. Because we want to celebrate you right now, Jesus. We don't want those things to hinder us. We want to throw off everything that hinders. 
so we can fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and remember that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We want to celebrate that, Jesus. Open up our eyes right now to see wonderful things in your law, wonderful things written for us that we can open up and read and see how amazing you are, Jesus. Open up our eyes to that right now, Lord. In your precious and holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here we go. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Have you guys ever heard of that name before, Lazarus? you guys know this story? Like five people raising their hand. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to preach about Lazarus more often. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. John has to clarify who Mary is. Why? There's more than one. There are several Marys, actually, and they're all working together and hanging out with Jesus. And so John has to clarify, including his mom, right? But John has to clarify who this Mary is. And we don't even know, if you were just reading through the book of John and you hadn't read the Bible before, you wouldn't even know what he's talking about here, about what, what is this pouring perfume all about. We're actually going to get there in the next chapter, okay? John hasn't told us that story yet. It's going to happen soon. But anyways, this is that same Mary. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is what? Sick. Do you guys catch that? It's an important piece of the story here. The one you love is sick. Okay, when he heard, how, by the way, how do you think they got that message to Jesus? Popped him a text? He wasn't in the same vicinity. He is like, let's, I don't know, hours or a day just travel away. Something like that. He must have sent some kind of messenger. Right? Maybe somebody who was really good at running or whatever their method was. They sometimes, they probably wrote that on a paper or told somebody and said, go tell Jesus this. Anyways, he got word that Lazarus is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, now he wasn't in Bethany. He was very far away, but he said it to those people that were around him when he got the news. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. You know what that is? That's a prophetic word. He is saying something in the future that he couldn't possibly know unless it was actually from God. He's making a prediction. And it's going to happen because when Jesus says things, they happen. Amen? Okay, but understand that. That's a prophetic word. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. What is the significance about that word for? It's the reason. What question is it answering? It's a one-word question. Why? Okay? It's telling us the reason for what's going on. If somebody was to say, why does this sickness even exist with Lazarus? Well, here's the reason. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. What does that tell us about Jesus? It tells us that Lazarus' sickness had a purpose, and we know what it was. At least one of the purposes was that Jesus was going to get glory through it. 
But what does that tell us about Jesus? It actually tells us that all of these things that happen to people, God has a purpose for those things. Amen? He has a purpose for everything. Nothing random happens. Jesus always has a plan and a purpose. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Isn't that fascinating? You would think that it would say, oh, Jesus, when he heard this news, he loved them and he went, right now, running all the way. Right? But it doesn't say that. It says he loved them, and then he just stayed where he was two more days. What does that tell you about Jesus? Someone said, chillaxed. Yeah, it's actually not, not, not really a terrible uh, word to use, right? He is never in a rush. Do you know that? Jesus is never in a panic. He is not panicked by what happens in your life today or yesterday or Friday. He's not in a rush. He is calm and he is in full control, right? He is not in any less control just because he waited two days. He's not in any less control. He is in control just as much as he was before. Not He sees our timeline differently than we do. Not because of slowness or lack of care on his part, but because his purposes are achieved on his timeline. You know what else we see here? He is willing to go to great lengths to be with the people that he loves. Because Judea is a hot spot for his arrest. It's as though they have, a, if I was to paraphrase what's going on there, they have a warrant out for his arrest and execution. Papers, not really, I'm just playing this part up, okay? But they have papers hung up that said, this man wanted, there's no reward, we're just going to kill him. That's the spot. Judea was that spot, and he knows that. And so when he says, let's go back to Judea, he is going back into that danger zone because he loves those people. That tells you something about Jesus. He is willing to go to great and extravagant lengths to be with the people that he loves. Guess what? Does that apply to you and me today? Wow! It's actually just a little precursor of what he did for us on the cross. He is willing to go to such, he goes to ultimate lengths just shy of making us into robots to show his love for us. That's who Jesus is. Verse 8, but rabbi, they said, and you can tell they were thinking that about that he was going into the danger zone by what they say right here. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there, they tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them. 
Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Remember how Jesus had already made a prophetic statement that this sickness was not going to end in death? Here's another, I want to say, I want to use the words prophetic statement. That might not be quite accurate, but he is, he is making a statement that shows us that he actually knows something else that nobody else could possibly have known except God revealed it to them. What does he know? He knows that Lazarus is dead. The disciples don't know that. Because the messenger who came said Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus, this is his second prophetic statement. He said, first of all, he said the sickness is not going to end in death. And now he says, but Lazarus is dead. Two things that he could not have known except that God showed him those things. And so God revealed this to him. And so either... You could say God revealed it to him and now Jesus knew. Or you could say, well, because we know that Jesus was both fully human and fully God at the same time, maybe he just knew it because he was God. Okay, fine. But either way, there was a knowledge that he had that came from God, not human wisdom. Make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. So then the question becomes this. Can something similar happen to people like you and me who are fully human? Yeah, exactly. Of course it can, but let's just play this through a little bit. Jesus told his disciples, for instance, one example of many, but he told his disciples in Luke 21, I am going to give you words and wisdoms that your adversaries will not be able to resist or contradict. And he wasn't talking about a human wisdom that they could prepare for because he specifically said, you don't prepare beforehand. Like, in that moment, I will give you words and wisdom. He's going to somehow get them in the ear. To his disciples, he said that. If it's true, as Scripture says, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, then shouldn't we expect that when it's part of his plan... And when it brings him glory, that Jesus could do the same thing today and give wisdom or give some kind of a knowledge, a knowing, that's somehow only possible that God somehow reveals it to us? Consider some of the spiritual gifts that are listed. Now, the Bible lists quite a few. Okay? I just want to mention a handful that are, they're all spiritual but I want to mention some that are obviously have to include somehow knowledge getting into there that couldn't have come from human wisdom because there are spiritual gifts like wisdom, a spiritual gift of knowledge, a spiritual gift of prophecy, a spiritual gift of tongues, and a spiritual gift of interpretation of those tongues. There's some, it's describing something beyond human wisdom, Okay? We don't even have to get into a, a discussion about exactly... We, before we even get there, there's something going on that's beyond human. You with me? 
It's something supernatural, something spiritual. There's a spiritual power there. Because God gives a knowing to natural and normal humans. And right here inside Pansy Chapel, we actually have documented stories of God giving graphic or, or uh, specific warnings and knowledge in advance of things happening. Right here in this church. And the people that are involved in those stories are very human. They are not perfect. You can't pick them out of a crowd. They're not, they don't levitate when they walk into church. They don't have a halo around them. They're not glowing or something. They're just normal. They've experienced and encountered something very supernatural. It's miraculous and it's spiritual, and yet they're just normal humans. So I want to say this. Don't let the humanness of people make you throw out all the spiritual gifts. Because even the humans, and this comes right out of the story, just so you know, I'm not going on a, on a rabbit trail. This is right out of the story of Lazarus, because the last verse we read today is going to be like the punctuation mark for exactly what I'm going to say here. Even the humans that God uses for miraculous things, they still sin, they still make mistakes, they still need to eat, they still need to sleep, they still need to go to the bathroom. They're normal people. All right, so here's, here's what we got going. Jesus had been speaking of his death. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Okay, then verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Who is Jesus thinking about, himself or other people? Other people. Whose best interest does he have in his mind? His own or other people? Everyone else but his, basically. That tells us something about Jesus. Amen? He is pouring himself out all the time. That is worth celebrating. Verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> what? There's always that one guy in the room who sees the glass half empty, right? Like, seriously, would you like to slap Thomas in the face? More than that? Here's Jesus the Son of God, the creator of the universe, standing there, has just prophetically known that Lazarus is dead, has prophetically said, I'm going to go there and raise him from the dead. This sickness is not going to end in death. You guys are coming with me. We're going to go into enemy territory because I love people so much. I'm going to raise that man from the dead. And what does Thomas say? Ah, oh, we're screwed. We're all going to die. What a terrible person that Thomas is. Hey? 
You know what the problem is? Guess what the problem is? I won't speak for you. I'll speak for me. I'm just like Thomas. Do we do that to Jesus today? You know how many, do you know that Jesus has miraculously preserved this book for us to read? It is the infallible Word of God, and we have it to read and study. And you know how many times in this infallible book Jesus says how he assures us that we get to know him through this book? And in addition to that, we get to know him through experience. We experience his faithfulness and his love. We know based on this book and things we experience, he has things in control, that he has a plan. He empowers his people and he has our best interest in mind. And what comes out of my mouth? Oh, I'm screwed. Do you ever do that? <laughs> do you ever look around? Do you ever look around you at what's going on because of COVID and all of its fallout? And you, on top of all the other problems that you already had in your life, and you hang your head inside and just say, oh, this is going to be terrible. What? <laughs> what a bunch of Didymuses we are. How quickly do we forget that Jesus is right here? <laughs> he has a plan, and He has our best interest in mind. You know what Thomas should have been doing? If Thomas had any logical way of thinking, he would have anticipated, he would have understood that, listen, I don't know exactly what Jesus is going to do, but He just said He's going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. He should have been at least filled with some sense of anticipation for what Jesus is going to do. Amen? Shouldn't you and I think the same thing? World's going to, to pot. Literally. Right? They're running to sources that, that will provide nothing for them. It's going to chaos. What should we be doing? We shouldn't be hanging our heads and thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. We should be filled with a sense of anticipation. I can hardly wait to see what Jesus is going to do because he saw this day coming. He knew it was coming. Also makes me realize, boy, the Lord must have a lot of patience. Hey? <laughs> that makes me really thankful about that. I'm very, very thankful that the Lord has patience for, for, for my Thomas-ness-ish whatever, because I'm like Didymus. And it's actually even encouraging to me that Jesus picked Thomas to be part of his close circle. Those are things that tell us something about Jesus, and they're actually worth celebrating. Amen? Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, 
your brother will rise again. Martha didn't get it. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. <laughs> you catch that? If you believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, sent and to come into the world, you then believe that death is not the end. Because there is eternal life that's coming. You believe, actually, that death is only the beginning because that's when real life begins. And not only do you believe that, but you also then believe that it's not just that Jesus is going to cause the resurrection and the life to happen. It is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's actually who He is. And that's worth celebrating. Amen? For the Christian, death is not the end. It's the beginning. Verse 28, after she said this, she went, and called, um, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out to him, or went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the same thing Martha said. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. You ever wonder why Jesus asked that question? Think about that for a second, because whatever your answer is, is going to fill you with an appreciation for who Jesus is. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Verse 35, that is the entire verse. Two words. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and in my opinion, one of the most profound. Do you realize how impactful that verse is? Here is Jesus, the Son of God, who came from where? Heaven. He's been in, he created everything that's been created. It was created through Him and by Him and for Him. He created everything. He put the stars in the place. He created the entire universe and all the people. And He, does, he put them in the places where they, and He determined the places where they're going to live. He set that all up and He knows the, all the glory of eternity in heaven. He knows that. And knowing that, he now also knows that this family of Lazarus is going to see a little bit of his glory in like the next hour or so when he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He knows those things. But what does he do when he sees the people weeping? 
It breaks his heart, and he just weeps with them. What does that tell you about Jesus? He feels your pain. He is sympathetic. He is empathetic. He is compassionate. He doesn't minimize your pain and just say, oh, whatever, suck it up. Eternity is going to be great. No, he, is, he takes time. He knows that's going to be awesome. He can hardly wait to spend eternity with you. But in the meantime, he actually will weep with you. That's who Jesus is. He understands us when we can't quite comprehend when time seems to go so slow before we get to eternity. He comes into that place with us to love us. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Do we ever ask Jesus the same question today? He healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Could he have kept Lazarus from dying? Yes. Do we ask the same thing today? God, couldn't you have kept my vehicle from breaking down? Couldn't God have kept my dad from leaving? Couldn't God have kept my mom from getting sick? Couldn't the creator of the universe have prevented COVID from happening in the first place? Couldn't Jesus have stopped whatever difficult thing is going on in your life? Couldn't he have stopped that before it ever even happened? And the answer is, yes, of course he could have. But it's not his plan to stop every difficult thing from happening. In fact, he might get the most amount of glory by allowing it to happen. And then even waiting a few more days. Waiting for what seems like to us way too long. But Christians know that in a very little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Do you know that? That's Hebrews 10.37. We know that in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. We, might, we don't see it now. We might not even comprehend. The timing might seem odd to us or not understandable, the timing. But Jesus is actually going to be right on time. Amen? <laughs> Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the this, this sister of the dead man, by, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, what's he doing right there? Yeah, in what kind of a voice? 
audible, out loud, in front of people. <laughs> and he's starting with acknowledging the Father and thanksgiving. There's actually quite a few things we can know about Jesus right there. He's given us a good example, but let's keep on going. He starts out, he prays and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. People who believe in Jesus will see the glory of God. Amen? People who believe in Jesus will see the glory of God. Amen? And of course, this glory of God will be seen in the final resurrection and for all of eternity in heaven with Jesus, just like Mary and Martha believed. We believe the same thing. That is the ultimate glory of God that we will get to see and be part of. But we will also get to see a glimpse, just little glimpses of that glory, even here in this lifetime. Do you guys believe that? Those things are worth celebrating because they're about Jesus. Let me just... Lazarus and his family are going to catch a glimpse of that glory. At the, on resurrection day, everybody's going to be alive who follows Jesus. Right? They're going to, they're all, he's going to raise them all from the dead. To spend eternity with him and some will be put on his left. But if we're thinking about the people on his right, he's going he's to raise them up and they're all going to experience his glory. And Lazarus and his family, they caught just a little glimpse of what that's going to look like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But it was only a glimpse because later, Lazarus died. I don't know how much later, sometime later. Because it was only a glimpse of God's glory, but Lazarus got to experience it even though he was an imperfect person. If it's true that Jesus is always with us to the very end of the age, is that true, by the way? And if it's true that he is the same yesterday and today and forever, shouldn't we, as those who believe, expect him to work the same today? You know what else is cool about this passage? Jesus wants people to believe. He is not apathetic to people just thinking, well, whatever, who believes, whoever, uh, whoever wants to believe can. No, his heart aches, and he is standing there with his hands open, and just, he is literally, literally done and doing everything he can to let you say, uh, to, so that you will know to come. Come. He, he wants you to believe. He does like literally everything he can. He stops just short of making you into a robot. That's how much he, want, he loves you and wants you to believe. That's how much evidence he gives. Verse 43. And then when Jesus had said this, he, Jesus called. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
the dead man came out. <laughs> Would you have liked to have been there? Can you imagine being there when Lazarus died? And then the next day, and the next day, and there's mourning, like crying, and weeping, and friends, and families, and flowers, and all those things. And then Jesus comes, and the dead man came out. <laughs> his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus has full authority over death. Amen? And here's something fascinating again. I want you to see this. Remember how we said earlier that even people that God does miracles through, they're ordinary and normal humans who still do ordinary things like eating and sleeping? It's important to know that. Because just the people that God does a miracle to or through don't suddenly appear in a different realm or something. They're still right here. And they go on living day-to-day -day lives just like the rest of us. Lazarus came out of the tomb. He had been raised from the dead. And what's the first normal thing that he needed? Yeah, he needed help. From who? Well, Jesus raised him from the dead. Now Jesus was telling other people to give him the help, right? He told them, now go get those wraps off of his face. He's not dead anymore. He, isn't that fascinating? He didn't turn into like a Marvel superhero like the Hulk and come busting out of there. He came hobbling out of there still in his grave clothes because he's still a normal human who had experienced the miraculous power of Jesus. Why is it important to know that? Here's why it's important to know that, because Marvel superheroes are fake. The power of Jesus is not. It's as real today as it ever has been. And it can and does happen to ordinary and normal people like you and me who believe in this Jesus. Do you believe in this Jesus? This same Jesus who loves people, who knows the future and has a purpose for everything, this same Jesus who is never in a rush, always on time and always in control. This same compassionate Jesus who goes to the greatest lengths to sacrifice his own personal well-being in order to empathize and weep with those who weep. This same Jesus who allows ordinary people to encounter his supernatural power. And he does these things not for his own glory, but for our sake that we would believe in him because he wants everyone to believe in him. This same Jesus who is patient when we forget that he is sovereign and he is patient with us when we forget that he has a plan. Death 
is not a master over this Jesus. Rather, Jesus is a master over death because he is the resurrection and the life. And while he never promises to stop every difficult thing from happening, he promises that we will see his glory. And if you believe, you will see his glory for all of eternity in heaven. And if you today would catch a little glimpse of the glory when he does something miraculous today, why would you be surprised? Because he himself said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you guys believe those words? I'm just going to close in prayer. I just want to celebrate Jesus. I don't know of a better way to celebrate him than to close in prayer, and I'd love for everybody to participate. If you're interested in, interested in participating in the prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up to show Jesus that you just want to celebrate him. And I'm going to make it even another step of awkwardness for some of us, and I'm going to say, let's raise our hands while we pray. We're going to raise our hands in worship and honor and just celebrating Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you to raise your hands this high, this high, and if you're really, really nervous, you could just do this. Okay? If you're nervous and you're worried about what people are going to think, A, that's a terrible thing to do, but whatever. If you haven't gotten freedom from that, you can just raise your hands a little bit. Okay? But I'm telling you, Jesus is worth celebrating and worth getting a little bit uncomfortable for. Okay? I'm going to close my eyes. You guys pray however you want. I'm inviting you to stand and raise your hands, and let's celebrate Jesus. And I'm going to pray something that would line up with the things that we've read here out of uh, John chapter 11. And as I pray, if you agree with what's said, you can say amen even during the prayer if you like, or you can wait till the end, but that would, that would just say, I agree with what's being said. Jesus... <laughs> It is such a privilege to know you. It is such a privilege. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us your written word that's infallible, that we can trust, we can cling to, we can read and study and read these stories about your faithfulness and that, Lord, I just thank you that even we as uh, ordinary humans can grab, we can see sometimes a glimpse of your glory. Thank you, Lord. It's like, you have given us a deposit inside of our hearts guaranteeing that future glory that's yet to come. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us that deposit. It's the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are so compassionate, that you don't minimize our pain. You come and you empathize along with us. Whatever we put into that wheelbarrow before, Lord, and we wanted to get rid of it so that we could just cast aside for a little bit everything that hinders you know those things and you're going to actually when we leave this place and if that's something that you've actually asked us to pick up and take home with us you're not going to minimize our pain but you're going to walk with us and weep with us because you're so compassionate i thank you jesus for who you are i thank you that we get to know you i thank you for people like john who wrote down these stories out of obedience to you. Thank you that we get to be part of your big master plan and look forward to all of eternity with you, Jesus.
we love you, Lord. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. There is a king seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. There will be grace and mercy all. Every burden will be lifted in His presence. And every trophy will be laid down at His feet. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above. Unto the Lamb, honor and glory, worthy is He who overcame, and buried in shame, risen in power, He is alive, the stone is rolled All our worship will belong to Him forever. Death is conquered, and our Savior holds the key. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above.
Jesus Christ, the King above all kings. Every burden will be lifted in His presence. Every trophy will be laid down at His feet. There is a name. Reigns above all others, Jesus Christ, the King above all kings. Jesus Christ, the King above all kings. Jesus Christ, the King above all. Kings. 